right, let's roll. Hey, you found us. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And uh, Matt, ASU basketball feels like one step forward, one step back. Like, we're not making progress. It's kind of Groundhog Day, isn't it? You know, it feels, feels like the last couple of years, um, very similar in, you know, in terms of just like, you know, we, when we last spoke, we were playing NAU that night and, and you know, beat NAU soundly, as you should. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, yeah, Sunday, it was Sunday, right? It's the game at Texas Southern. Yeah, which we touched on this briefly during our basketball preview, mm-hmm. but at Texas Southern, like... Yeah. Still don't quite know the backstory. Um, I, I read it was something about it was the Pac-12 SWAC Legacy Series or something like that. I I didn't know such a thing existed. Apparently it does. Um, and it, it didn't go great for us. Uh, you know, check the score often. And, you know, it was, we had the lead most of the second half, felt like, but mm-hmm. never by much. It was always like a very narrow lead. And then went to OT and lost by one. And, and uh yeah, I mean, why we were at Texas Southern, I, I guess I don't know the whole story behind that or any of the story behind that, but a disappointing loss, no matter how you slice it. Certainly the case. Um, so, look, we're 2-1. and one. We're heading to the Legends Classic in uh, Brooklyn, taking on about BCU to, tonight. About to tip off shortly, yeah. Um, but you and I both read the athletic article about Bobby Hurley and the mat- yeah. the, the maturation, I guess? Of Bobby Hurley? Sort of, maturation, but also like, you know, kind of the torment in a way yeah. uh, that, it, that it got into. It was a, I mean, to start out with, it was, it was a good article. You know, it wasn't a, wasn't a Doug Haller, and that's not to insult Doug Haller at all, but it was just a different, different look yeah. at things. Um, you know, I think it was what, Brendan Quinn, one of yeah. their national guys, um, you know, and, and uh, it was a good, good read, um, you know, made me. I already like him, so it, it, it didn't change my mind. It, it, it confirmed that I like him, um, but, it, you know, it, it hit on the points that matter, which is like, uh, you know, like what's what's happening here? Because it's just like the, the momentum has disappeared from where we were, you know, three to four to five years ago, basically. Yeah, I, I felt like the article was very fair in that it's like Hurley wants to stay. Yeah. He acknowledges that that may not happen. Um, it also, you know, I, I thought it was good writing and a fair comment when he said, you know, they made the tournament two years in a row. Hurley felt like they were making some noise, potentially yeah. heading into a 9-10 seat. And then he, as a, he put sort of as an aside, as many coaches feel about their teams. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, we've talked about this. There's probably, you know, uh, 50, you know, coaches out there who feel like my team was going to make the sweet 16. And, you know, obviously that's not going to be the case. It's, we've talked about it with baseball, ASU baseball, you know, Oh, 2020 was going to be the year that, that we made Omaha. Like, well, you know, like my answer to that is always like, if you only had one year that you were going to, you know, be able to make some noise, then you didn't do much of a job of, of building a program, you know, like you should be able to sustain success for more than one isolated year does it suck that 2020 got wiped out when maybe we could have made a little bit of noise? Yeah, it does. But also, you know, it's easy to say when you didn't have to prove it. Yeah. But, you know, well, when, was... when you didn't have to play the tournament and potentially get bounced in round one. And it's, oh, man, that team was peaking. Like, maybe, but also maybe not. Well, and it's one of those things that you and I have talked about where there, there are a couple ways to look at what was happening in 18 and 19. You know, we were building, mm-hmm. sure. We were building towards something. And then we, you know, made the tournament back back years. Or you can look at it as barely in the tournament, barely yeah. in the tournament, maybe not having to play in the playing game, maybe. In 20. Probably not. Yeah, it felt like we were going to make it in the 64, you know, or, or 60, I guess, um, for lack of a better, you know. But it was going to be borderline. Like, it wouldn't have been a total shock if we'd been back in the play-in round. Um, we weren't going to be a, you know, a 5 or 6 seed where it was like, you know, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're, we'll be we'll be wearing the home whites, basically, in the first round. That was probably not going to be the case. So, yeah, it's, you know, 
there's always a team or two every year that goes from a 9, 10, 11 and gets to the Sweet 16, and maybe 2020's group was going to be that team, or maybe we would have been one and done. I mean, you know, we don't know and we'll never know. I agree that the 2020 team with Cheatham and Dort appeared to be peaking, appeared to be going in the right direction. Right. But... I, I, you know, could we have been bounced day one in Vegas? Maybe. Sure, sure. I mean, it's it's sort of you know, it's sort of like saying you know, well, boy, if I had uh, if I had asked the homecoming queen out, I bet you know her and I would have gotten married. It's like, well, but I but I didn't. So you know, it's easy for uh, you know, it's easy to look back and say, ah, yeah, yeah, it would have been great. But mm-hmm. you know, we we didn't have that opportunity, and nobody did. You know, but but you know, the bottom line is like, you can't live on. 2020 forever and especially when 20 you know it wasn't like we were going to win the pac 12 we were you know 25 and 4 when the season shut down mm-hmm. that might be a little different if we had that type of year be like man we really had something special like who was it um san diego state and dayton i believe mm-hmm. were, were like you know they were probably going to be one or two seeds like their fans have to look at that and think man we got screwed because that was going to be our chance to make a real special run we weren't that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and now it's, I mean, it's almost 2023. Um, the last two years have been, and, and the article, you know, made it plain, didn't make excuses for it. The last two years have been very disappointing uh, overall. And, you know, it's, but the article pointed out something that I think we probably, you know, don't give enough attention to because it's a hard thing to address, which is, you know, there's, there's problems at ASU beyond who the head coach is. Yeah. And it's easy to, it's easy to sit here, you and I and fans everywhere and say, we need to change coaches. But you know, doesn't Hurley's tenure feel very similar to Herb Sendex? Yeah. Caked in the first three years, tailed off and football. You could, I mean, look at the coaches that we've been a part of their, you know, Dirk, Dennis, Graham, Herm, all of them, peaked in the first two to three years mm-hmm. and then they all tailed off and it's like at what point is it not the coach at what point is it is it the, the university and the athletic department well and, and i where i thought you were going with this and i think it's true the the excitement for bobby hurley coming was big and and look he added austin nunez so we're still recruiting to sure, at least sure. to some extent um Mixed results, obviously. Josh Christopher being hurt, Boyachi not being ready in the way that right. we thought he was, right. you know, billed to be. But you know, when Herb Sendek was here, they built Weather up, right? And the next thing was, oh well, we're going to renovate Wells Fargo. Well. Sendek's tenure has come and gone, and we're in year eight of Bobby Hurley's tenure, and Wells Fargo Arena became Desert Financial Arena, and then yeah. looks exactly the same. Yeah, it's exactly. I mean, it hasn't changed from when you and I went to school here, which you know mm-hmm. was somewhere between uh, you know fifteen and eighteen years ago when we were going as students. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was outdated then. That was a point of conversation when when we were students was. Boy, they got to do something with this arena. Just you know, and and nothing's changed, and and it, you know, I, I mean, I, like I said, it's a, go ahead, go I ahead. I was gonna say, I will say this: if you were wanting to renovate the arena, but were trying to figure out what your contingency plan would be if you had to not play there for a year, now that you've built Mullet, you have True. an answer. Like you'd have something, yeah. You can yeah. play on campus for five grand, uh, or for not five grand for five thousand people. Five thousand in attendance. No, I got yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and, and it, you know, like I said, it's a difficult discussion to have in a way because it's it's hard to it's hard. I mean, it's much easier to be like, well, we need to change coaches. Okay, yeah, fire the coach, bring in a new coach. Sure, that'll fix everything. It's it's a much harder thing to assess, you know. How do you how do you change the athletic department, and mm-hmm. and how do you change the university, and the expectation of of success? I mean, I, you know, we've we've you and I have complained a bunch about Michael Crow. We've complained a bunch about Ray Anderson and past ads. 
you know, but it's like, man, if, if you don't, if you don't change and, and have a commitment from the top down, not just at the top, but the top throughout your athletic department, throughout, you know, your fan base to expect and demand success, changing coaches is just, you know, it's just like changing the, you know, the tires on a beat up car. The car still stinks, you know, like it, it might, it might make the car more fun to drive for a couple of months and then you're going to realize oh, the car still has problems. Yeah. And I do think that that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it you know it pertains to football too. Like we we look at it and it's like, well, you know, okay, the next. I mean, you know, I've said it. I've said it to you in the last couple of months. The next coach should be the coach that we believe can get us to into this expanded playoffs. And I believe that, but I don't know. That there's a belief in the athletic department of that. I, I just don't think there's a demand. For success, there's too much being content, being mediocre, and it's and it's little stuff that turns into big stuff. I mean, I I saw it when I worked there. I still see the same stuff. You know, you, this is minor stuff, but you know, you go to the football games in the press box, and I mean, nine times out of ten, the the soda machine breaks by halftime, mm-hmm. and it and it's been that way since 2005. You know, like the, you know, and and. Is that a big deal? Does that affect you winning games? No, not directly. But when you're content embracing, you know, below average performance in one area, you you end up embracing it in other areas. I think. Well, and this leads to sort of the um, the Todd Grammification of the program. Yeah. In that, like, there was a time where it felt like we were detail oriented. And then, you know, and we cared and we were putting in the effort and doing Mm -hmm. the little things, but coinciding with the, you know, fact that sometimes we just straight up didn't have enough guys in coverage to cover the number of receivers (laughs) going out on routes. Right, right. um, You know, you run into these issues, right? Where you're like, "Ah," you know, it's, it's not a big deal until everything else is a big deal. Like, you know, exactly. I, I, exactly. I mean, it, you know, again, the stuff that I can point to that I've experienced, no, it doesn't affect directly getting good recruits, getting good coaches and winning games on the field, but it's, yeah. it's a standard. It's things that you would not see at Alabama or Ohio state or Texas or, you know, the places that demand excellence. And if you are, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's like, what do you want to be? Do you want to be that? Or do you want to be, uh, you know, a mountain West program? Yeah. I I don't know, but you got to decide. I feel like. Well, and, and there's a comedian, Nate Bargetsy, who has a bit that I think is apropos of what we're talking about. He, he talked about when his, he was at a wedding and the DJ only had one leg. And in the bit, the point of the bit is, you don't really notice or care, but then when he plays the same song three times in a row, you start being like, well, why does he have one leg? You know? And sure, that's kind of sure. the thing about the yeah. soda machine. Like, if we're winning and everything else, you're like, ah, whatever. But then right. when we're not good, you're like, well, and also, why is the soda machine broken? Right, right. Yeah. And again, I, I understand that, I, like, that is not the end of the world, but it it's the face you put out to the public. Yeah. You know, when you have, when you get, I mean, ASU football doesn't play that many big home games but they they've had their their steady share over the last you know 10 15 years they've you know we've had you know top 10 usc teams top 10 oregon teams notre dame came you know we've had some big games missouri a few years ago you know and and so when you get media and and you know you you serve them food that you know is like you know and it runs out halfway before the game and the soda machine's broken and they're there's one elevator to the press box and it doesn't have air conditioning and, and it goes so slow. It's just stuff like that that make people think this is a second rate program. Yeah. And honestly, it is. That's, yeah. that's mostly what we've been the last 20 some years. And, you know, this goes, we've talked about it at length. This goes to our whole, you know, desire to compete in all these sports. And, you know, the more I've thought about it, the more I've come around to the idea that we just, did it wrong and Clemson did it right. You know, you, you cut, you know, you cut the sports that are revenue sucks, not all of them, but some of them. 
Yeah. And you put and you that money football. into football. And know? or basketball. And, and, and yeah. Then, no, and I, agree. Football I agree. Begets yeah. other things, you know? Sure. Sure. No, I mean, I agree with you, you know, and I mean, Clemson is, I've, you know, for years I've, I've sat here with you and I've said, you know, like, well, if Clemson can make this type of improvement from above average kind of underachieving program to what they've been the last, you know, eight years or so, then why can't ASU? Uh, but the more I look at it, the more I think like, well, there was a commitment at Clemson. There was, there was an athletic department, commitment they put in a lot of money their fan base is really strong um you know i mean that's and you know like i i can only look inward as well like but our our fans are are fair weather they really are you know like they you know we had a decent crowd for ucla but uh, you know it was half empty by halftime mm-hmm. um you know we don't come out when it's you know fans you know they don't they don't want really late games but they don't want games at noon because it's too hot and they don't want a game at seven 30 because it ends too late. And they don't want a game at five because then the sun's going down. And then like, you know, it's a three uh, for, for football. It's a three and a half hour experience. You know, like, I'm sorry, it can't be, you know, 72 and partly cloudy for the entire game, every game, but that's not how it is. <laughs> but I, you know, we have a very, uh, uh, fickle fan base. It feels like. Yeah. hundred percent. You know? And so there's that, I don't know. Like I said, I just, I mean, the point that that article made, it didn't dive deep into it, but it kind of mentioned it as an aside, you know, basically saying like, you know, ASU has problems that go beyond just, you know, who the head coach is. It, it hit home with me and because I've thought about it in relation to football of late too, as we're going through this and it's like, okay, we could get rid of Bobby Hurley at the end of this year, if the season goes sideways and we could bring in, you know, X name off the street. Mm-hmm. But is anything going to get substantially better? Are we going to have another coach who peaks in the first two to three years and then kind of gets like beat down by the ASU malaise? Because that's what seems to have happened with both Sendak and Hurley. Well, and the thing is, uh, you know, to that point and the word choice you made, is that what we're seeing now with the refined Bobby Hurley? Maybe. You know, just a Maybe. guy who's like, okay. I'm not gonna. I can't commit to this. I can't spend, you know, this much emotional capital. It could be some of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder. I mean, you know, like in general, you wonder, like, you know, if someone, if someone operates with such fire. And yes, I do feel like he needed to tone it down. But it, you know, you also feel like, well, okay, are we are we taking what what kind of made him special? Are we are we uh, you know, is it, is it sort of like, uh, you know, the, I mean, this is, a, but like one flew over the cuckoo's nest where they, you know, Randall, Randall P McMurphy and they, you know, they gave him the lobotomy basically. And it was like, well, yeah, I mean, I, again, that's an extreme, but it's like, you, you took the fire away, you know, and now he's just kind of like a shell of what he was. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I, I don't I just, know. I don't know. Because, I, you, know. I, you know, the other thing is we lost to Texas Southern in overtime. Mm-hmm. We we took, you know, Tarleton State to the wire. Right, right, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, easily could be one and two right now with a with a very soft start to the schedule. Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, there's a long way to go. And we did improve over the course of last year. And finished, I think, I think what, won seven out of eight to finish the regular season yeah. or something like that. But then, but then, you know, choked away the first game in the Pac-12 tournament and ended on a down note. And it's like, you know, again, I, I said this to you, I think, last week. Like, you can't, you can't wait until February to start playing good basketball. You, you want to get better. Yeah, you want to be better in February than you are in November. But you can't be crappy for November, December, and January and have it, you know, just mean nothing doesn't work that way yeah well i mean it it feels like and and maybe i don't want to get crazy alarmist but you know we're not good enough to overcome what just happened no we we lost to a bad team and i guess if we sweep arizona and ucla or yeah i mean there's a long way to go sure yeah it's possible but you're right it's you know like there's not a ton of margin for error when you're already at best probably a mid-tier of your conference type team yeah 
and and because so, you're probably not going to sweep Arizona and UCLA because right. you're not good enough. You know, so yeah, you're right. I mean, if we got super hot in the conference and went, you know, uh, what fifteen and five or something like that, yeah, that's probably going to be a pretty good conference run and would be be fine. But you don't want that to be the expectation yeah. or or the or the burden you've got to get to. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess where I'm going with this is. You know, if we finish the conference season eight and ten, yeah, you know, the conference is pretty good. That might be enough if we had been like, right, you know, twelve and one in well, the conference. It was. Well, I mean, one of those two years that we made the tournament. I think those numbers are very close to what we were. We were didn't we go like twelve? You know, we were twelve and zero non-conference. That was the year we beat Kansas at Kansas. We got into the top five of the poll, and then our conference record was like 500, and we made the tournament because of that great start. But, you know, that year we did not lose to Carleton State and Texas Southern, you know. Right, right, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, we were very impressive. I mean, both years we made the tournament, we made it on the strength of a really good November, December, and kind of, you know, just held on for dear life through the conference season. I don't remember what our exact conference record was those two years, but if, if I'm guessing it was maybe exactly 500, mm-hmm. maybe like two games over. Um, I, you know, I think we were right about, you know, 500 in the conference both years and got our way into the first four on the strength of, you know, good non-conference play. And, and be, you know, I think the first year, didn't we beat Kansas and Xavier? And they were both number one seeds. Mm-hmm. And then the next year we beat Kansas here, uh, you know, so like, we had a good non-conference run, gave ourselves a lot of cushion. Then last year was the opposite. You know, it was bad start to the year, bad start to the conference season. Played our best in you know February and March, but, but still at got that point, bounced by Stanford in round one of the right tournament. and needed to win the whole tournament. I mean, you know, we didn't. It was it was you know we were so far behind that it wasn't even like well we you know if we get to the you know semifinals we got a chance. No, we we had to win all four in order to have any chance. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, um, I don't know what to, what to say. It was a, like I said, it was a good article. I like the guy. And I said it to you a couple weeks ago when we talked, like I, I don't want to get rid of him. And in part because of what we just discussed, like, I'm not sure getting rid of him is going to solve anything. It's just going to be, you know, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, as they say. Yeah. I, I, and I'll say this, when you have a Bobby Hurley and and it's a name and it resonates and he wants to be here, yeah, that matters. Like that there's something to me there is something about that that like let's not I'm not look, I'm not saying that if uh you know, an elite coach, a Bill Self was like, "Hey, I'll take the job." A sure. Calipari but you know, I I think that maybe I you know not want a retread, you know, guy over Hurley right now. Still, I agree. Now I agree. I, yeah. I have a name yeah. for you because he was found not guilty of the NCAA charges. Yeah. Would you want Rick Pitino? No. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I, I never considered it until you said it. So that's a I, well, knee-jerk because, reaction to say no. I mean, because I mean, he's, you know, he has no interest in leaving Iona right now. Well, sure. of course, it's the middle of the season. Right. He's He's got interest if somebody comes to him with an offer. Yeah. And I he's mean, old. I, you know, he's, he's well-traveled. Yeah. He's old. But he's one. I mean, he's he one has. at Iona. He, you know. I mean, he's you know he's. Uh, we talked about Brian Kelly last week. Um, you know, he's got a track record of everywhere he goes in college. Yeah. Not so much the NBA, but everywhere he goes in college, they've you know gotten better. And and you know he got you know he took two different programs to national titles and you know got Providence to a Final Four way back when. Um, you know, so yeah, but. I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess if he was interested, I wouldn't like dismiss it out of hand. Um, and I'm not. I don't, I don't know. know that he is interested. I'm not sure, sure he would be. But, no, I, 
But we are the kind of team, I think, who could take a risk on him. Like it's an interesting hypothetical because I, I guess. don't yeah because he's not gonna get offered Michigan. Or, no, no, you know, no, no. UCLA. He's gonna have to go to a a mid tier power conference team if he's gonna go back into that realm. And we are exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I I don't know. I don't know. I guess I I say no right away just because one, I'm not a fan of his. And, and two, I just feel like he's so, you know, I know, yeah, he got, you know, let off the hook by the NCAA, but he's just, he's just kind of radioactive. He kind of has an Urban Meyer feel, you know, his name has been bandied about by some people who I think have too much time on their hands for, you know, football. It's like, first of all, I don't think that's possible. This might be slightly more possible, but I just, I don't know. I'm not sure that I love the idea, but I guess I, I don't hate it completely yeah I, I it it came to me you know when i was reading this article where hurley was like look i'm just not sure right you know it, it, and if you're gonna make a change now now look i'll level with you this feels like the potential if you did it to be herm 2.0 or dennis erickson 2.0 yeah he's gonna yeah. cash a check He's going to get us into recruiting trouble. Uh, uh, um, it certainly does. I agree. Yeah. But he's there's going to be money around. There's going to be sure. interest, and that goes a long way. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, I mean, it certainly would um, grab headlines. But, you know, of course, Bobby Hurley grabbed headlines when we got him. And, you know, I, again, it's my thought of like, well, all right, you know, can we – can we ever find anybody who can sustain? And I don't mean, you know, final four level success every year. I'm not unrealistic, but you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be a a tournament type team for, you know, three years in a row, then don't have three years after where you're not. And that's, you know, that's what Herb was. I mean, you know, Oh eight, Oh nine, 10, we only made one tournament, but we were squarely on the bubble those other two years. Probably should have made it both times, if not at least once, and then tailed off. And Hurley's tenure right now is like it's like a mirror image. It's like mm-hmm. we're reliving the same experience so far. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right down to the lefty guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like I mean, it's it's different just because of like, okay, now we got all these transfers, and that wasn't that wasn't as prevalent back then. We had guys leave, but you had to sit out and now it's like the roster changes over all the time. But you know, the, the team results just feels like, man, uh, we're, we're seeing the same thing almost. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, well, speaking of things that don't have a solution, let's talk about ASU football. Yeah. Um, just when you thought it was safe to, Put on your Trenton Borgay jersey. <laughs> Got a little reality check. Yeah. Three of ten, turn the ball over, gets hurt. Emery Jones gets comes hurt. in, in relief. Yeah. Uh, couple touchdowns. It, it appears... Garbage. Borgay... Go ahead. I was going to say, some garbage time results yeah. from Emory Jones. Uh, better than not having it, but, but tremendous garbage time production. It does appear that Borgay is going to start against Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I'm on board that, you know, you named him yeah. the starter. I don't think you uh, take the job away. No, I don't think you take it away. I don't think you take it away for Emory Jones. It, it did cross my mind today though, of like, why aren't we maybe seeing what any of the young guys have? I mean, are, are they just, are they no good? Yeah. The, the I don't know. Collins. Yeah. Collins, McLemore, or what is it? Bennett, yeah. Meredith. I mean, I, I don't know, and and I and I did think like I was kind of comparing it to years past, where the season you know had gotten away from us by this point, you know, like when Brock was a freshman or whatever. And it's like, well, that's you know, and and you know, it feels different now in this current college football world because if you don't like your young guys, you could just go get a quarterback from somewhere else. Well, and the it wasn't other thing that simple before. So, you, so up until last week. I would have been fine with the program, right? Like what we're doing. Yeah. 
But now, with two weeks left, we're not going to a bowl. These right. guys haven't played, so they can play both these games and not lose any eligibility. Right, right. And and they've already, I mean, you know, Collins and, and McLemore have already used their redshirt year. Uh, kind of, they didn't play at all last year. McLemore hasn't played at all in two years. Uh, you know, so you're not preserving anything anyway. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying any one of them is, you know, the next big thing. Maybe they're nothing. But I guess there's a part of me that feels like, you know, wouldn't you like to maybe give them a, a swing at the bat? One of them, at least, whoever has been the most impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, I do find it interesting, right, that we have gotten here and it and it seems like we're not going to give it a try. And I think no. I'll, I'll level with you on this. If Aguano's the full-time coach, he probably does, or he's already decided these guys aren't the guy. Maybe so. Maybe so. But as the and, interim and, you know, coach, he's just going to try to get wins. Get wins, I guess. I guess. And, and you know, like, obviously, no. We're, you know, we don't see practice. And I, I don't know about you. I find it, I, I found it, um, especially with Haller not covering the team full-time anymore, like, I feel very disconnected from everything that's happening beyond the games. It's, you know, I, I don't know if there's even any discussion of this, yeah. but I guess I'm just thinking like, okay, Emory Jones is, I would say 99% not going to be on the roster next year. Four game might be, but I, I think we saw, you know, I, I said it last week, like, let's see what he does against a, a better defense. And we saw that like, yeah, I mean, you know, like maybe, maybe press pause on the Heisman campaign, um, you know, doesn't mean he stinks, but you know reality check uh paul tyson clearly is not it and so we've got these three young guys that like why aren't we you know giving them a shot or or are they just as you said have they just seen enough to say like they're not they're not the guy um you know maybe we'll get a quarterback in the transfer market maybe our new coach will bring in one whatever and again that does change the dynamic you know, it used to feel like this time of year, if you were in this position, like, well, we got to see what the young guys have because that's going to be our starter next year. Mm-hmm. That very likely is not the case. I mean, you know, if you were putting odds on who's ASU's opening day starter in 23, the leader might be someone not currently on the roster. I I think that is the, the leader. I, uh, I, you know, I mean, maybe, it, maybe it'd be Borgay. I, you know, well, but probably also, at least second would be someone on a different roster right now. I mean, I'll say this. If the wager is someone on the roster versus someone not on the roster, we'll start the majority of games next year. Yeah. Because I believe that the guy who will start week one is probably on the roster. Yeah, but, maybe. But the guy who will start the majority of games, I bet, is not on the roster. Yeah. Well, and of course, it, you know, it's so we've we've talked like it's so dependent on you know who your head coach is, which we don't know. If 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 Aguano's the head coach, well, then yeah, probably the odds favor you know Trent Bourdais and you you know status quo. But if you bring in a coach from outside, mm-hmm. that guy very well has either a recruit or a current quarterback or both that maybe follows him. I know I read, and I don't know how reliable it is, but one of either Devil's Digest or Sun Devil Source, one of those two, had a report this week, you know, this past week about, you know, Kenny Dillingham is really emerging as a strong candidate. I couldn't read the whole thing because it was subscriber, but I saw the tweet. I'm like, okay, if that's if that's true, you know, does he bring one of the one of the quarterbacks from Oregon or a recruit that Oregon's got in the pipeline or something like that? Uh, you know, somebody he coached. At a previous stop, you know, he was at Florida State, he was at Auburn, you know, um, like, you know, maybe he has somebody he wants to bring with him and who knows. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that would be great. And, you know, you know that I've been on that bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if that's the case, that'd be awesome. I'm anxious to see if we will commit the money and look, it's a big move to, to do that in, in the Michael Crow era. Cause we've yeah. never hired a coordinator no. in the Michael no. Crow era. 
gosh, when's the last time? I mean, honestly, is and I don't know the answer. Is Frank Cush the last coach we've hired who wasn't a head coach before? Well, I mean, Dirk was a head coach, and everyone post Dirk. Everyone post Dirk. Bruce Snyder was because Bruce Snyder was at Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe John Cooper. I don't know. I can't remember what John Cooper's background. Like, I, you know, like the Daryl Rogers, John Cooper, Larry Marmee. They one of the three of them might not have been a head coach before. I guess I don't. I don't know. But it's at least going back to Bruce Snyder. So yes, I mean, without a doubt, it's it's the Crow years, but it's even further back than that that we've been. And you know, you know, I don't like it. I've been strong in my dislike of that, but it's been we got to get a guy who's had head coaching experience. Mm-hmm. Like, why? I mean, I, I you know, I don't need to go through them again, and I won't. But you know, look up and down the college football playoff rankings, the top you know twenty. You're going to find plenty of head coaches who are at their first head coaching job. Yes. Including the defending champion and the number one team. Yeah. Well, and frankly, as as you and I have talked about at length, we're not going to take a a good head coach from someone. We're not USC. No. (laughs) Exactly. So you're either getting a retread. A la Dennis Erickson yes. from Edwards, getting or you're getting an up and comer from a group of five, which yes. I guess I'd pre- you know like Dirk. Uh, I'd prefer that, but it's like I don't know well, why we have to narrow it down to that. Well, but it's also an up and comer, but not a main up and comer. Like you're not gonna take Luke Fickle from Cincy. No, you know? no, exactly. Yeah, you're getting probably somebody who is a, you know, I, I don't even know, but, you know, somebody who finishes, you know, fourth in the American. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like, all right, that's not horrible. I'm not against that. But, yeah, I, I'm not totally hot about it either. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I've got the answer. Larry Marmee was not a head coach before. He was he was our defensive coordinator and got promoted. So there's the last time we hired somebody. Now, an ASU, you know, lifer would say, well, that's enough reason to not ever do it again because Larry Marmee was a disaster. <laughs> but, but you know, okay, we've had, uh, what, five straight full-time coaches who have had head coaching experience, and it hasn't really worked out that great with them either. Yeah. I and mean, we've got... Uh, we've got a lot to build up from. Like, wait, there's plenty of room for growth. Yes, yes. You know, so I I don't know. I mean, we'll see. But yeah, I I um, you know, bottom line is going back to the game. I guess we didn't talk too much about it. It was uh, it was in many ways what I expected. Um, you know, we we got we got a humbling from a team that isn't even that good, but a good defense in some some difficult weather could have been worse. I mean, it really wasn't too bad, but it got foggy as the game rolled along, and we got a reality check. Yeah. Uh, we get to end the year with Oregon State and Arizona. The Wildcats upsetting UCLA still have a bowl hope alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Oregon State, top 25 in the, yeah, in the playoff rankings this week, yeah. I, um, I'm not sure we're going to win again, Matt. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm picking us to lose this week, I, I think. Yeah, I am too. I mean, my, my, uh, my game by game predictions continue to be accurate, except for that Eastern Michigan game. I, I am I am hitting on everything. I had us at four and six at this point. We're three and seven. I had us losing the Oregon State game and clinching a losing record. I'm I'm not wavering off of that. Oregon State, another team with a good defense, uh, don't have a super explosive offense. You know, like it's a game that I don't think it's going to get away from us. I don't think it's going to be you know. Uh, 35 to seven uh, because Oregon state's not built that way. Mm-hmm. But I think it could be a, if I was to give, I mean, if I'll do a score, I'll say, uh, you know, 27 to 13 type game. Yeah. I, I'm in a similar boat. I was thinking something along the lines of 24 to 10, but it just never, there feel, you go. It, it's one of those things that doesn't, it's a game where I expect it won't ever feel like we're that far out of it, but it'll also feel like we'll never have a chance to get in it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'll feel like one of those games that like, boy, if we could just put together a scoring drive in the second half, 
We could be right back in it, but we won't be able to do so. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it seems to me. You know, we'll see. Uh, I mean, it, I don't really know if Oregon State is a top 25 team. And, uh, you know, in some ways that's maybe name brand bias. Mm-hmm. Um, they're seven and three. I don't know that they've really beaten anyone good. Um, they lost to Utah. They lost to Washington. They lost to USC. Albeit they, they you know, took USC to the wire. Um, but they lost those three games. They haven't played Oregon yet. They didn't play UCLA. So the the top five teams in the conference, they're zero and three against them. So like, have they have they beaten anyone really good? No. But they also haven't lost to anyone bad. But, but so, they'll probably be eight and three. So. They probably will be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've they've done what you're supposed to do when you're that type of team. They've beaten everybody that's worse than them. And mm-hmm. so you know, credit to them. I mean, that's you know for. For a number of years, uh, nobody was worse than them in the conference. Like yeah. they were the they were the doormat. So you know, a lot of credit. Jonathan Smith is a really good coach. Well, I was he's, about he's to been say, a very good hire. when we were talking about names, if we thought we could pry him from them, which if I were him, I wouldn't take that move. Right, I agree. You know, but I I think for the conference, you know, you set aside Lincoln Riley. Sure. I, I think he's probably the best up and coming young under you know under forty eight head coach. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and it does feel like at some point he probably looks to go elsewhere. I know he's an alum. Mm-hmm. Um if he wasn't an alum, it'd be like, Oh yeah, he's definitely gonna move on, you know, at some point. Um but you know, you, you reach a point at a place like Oregon State where I feel like, you know, maybe you, you you, you hit the ceiling um, and you look and think like, well, can I ever get above this level consistently? And, you know, Washington just, just made a higher and appear, appears to be a pretty good one. But, you know, like if he had left for Washington, I wouldn't have been surprised. That's a place you can probably achieve more than Oregon State. Yeah. And he was the offensive coordinator there previously. Yeah. So that would have made sense. Now they, they appear to have, have uh, done well with their hire. That mm-hmm. guy, you know, DeBoer has done a really nice job taking them from a, a, a disaster last year to, you know, they still have a chance to make the conference title game. Unlikely, but a chance. Yeah, I also think it, it's, he could be an Oregon State lifer a la a Bill Snyder where they're always good. They're always, you know, he right could. around, sure. you know, five to eight wins. And, and every once in a while they might sneak up and win nine, ten games. And it's a place where that would probably be hailed as a very successful, ten, you know, yes, I agree with you. Like if he got, you know, a, a 10 plus win season every five years and outside of that, you know, they were a consistent, you know, six to eight wins. I think Oregon State fans would would sign up for that for the next 20 years. Yeah. If you told if at the end of this tenure, you said he's going to play in in 20 years, he's going to play in three conference title games. He's gonna, you know, win, or he's gonna make seventeen bowl games. Yeah, and maybe make the expanded playoff a couple of times. Yeah, you know, oh, that's a home run for Oregon State, hundred percent. And I think it's what you and he could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's so hard to know what the conferences are going to look like, but I suppose it does. I mean, if if you're if you're thinking like him, and you're thinking, well, hey. In the new world, winning the Pac-12 is almost certainly going to be good enough to get us into the playoff. And we also are now taking away USC and UCLA from said Pac-12. You know, I'm thinking, all right, you know, sure. Can we go, can we be a 10-win team every now and again and win the conference and get in the playoff? Why not? Yeah. I mean, you know, UCLA hasn't been consistently great in football ever, but they're they're usually pretty good. They've had some, you know, and USC obviously is the the king maker of, of the conference and they're both leaving. So yeah, you still got Oregon and you got Washington and, you know, Stanford, although they've slipped a lot, but Stanford has been really, you know, like there's good programs, but if you're Oregon state, Washington state, you're probably looking at that thinking, why not? Why, why can't we have a run? Um, Speaking of UCLA leaving, I saw Wilner had his uh, yeah one percent uh, chance that, that they he'll stay. stay. Yeah, um, 
I find it a little interesting that they could make the move without informing the Board of Regents. Yeah, yeah, yep. So tomorrow's the meeting, right? Tomorrow's the meeting. Appears to be the the last one. Yeah, last chance. Uh, You know, I I thought his take was right, that the most likely outcome is they're going to say, well, we're really disappointed that this is the direction the school went. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. The end. And, yeah, yeah, and I... I think he didn't he theorize that maybe they uh, give they Cal sort of make them give Cal some money, yeah. yeah. Which sure, yeah. I mean, I guess it makes some sense logically. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna happen because it's one of those things of like, you know, uh, do you do you ultimately want someone who doesn't want to be there? Yeah. You know, it's it's like. It's like with you know pro sports when a guy you know asks for a trade and oh we're gonna we're gonna keep you know and it's like man that that can really poison the well mm-hmm. um, and and I just don't know and I mean USC's gone so if UCLA doesn't go which I think is I would agree a one percent chance maybe less like the Big Ten's gonna go get somebody else mm-hmm. and it's probably is Stanford. it Stanford yeah it's probably Stanford or Washington. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, or Oregon? Do they, you know, do they swing for the fences for Oregon or Washington? I mean, Stanford. Stanford's a really interesting one because they bring the academics and they bring obviously an incredible depth of sport. But yeah. the football program has slipped so bad, and the attendance is awful. I mean, they they had a program basically essentially giving away tickets for the last two games. Yeah, for this year. And and so like that's that's a hard sell at this point that say Stanford is attractive to the Big Ten. Yeah, I, the only way I think Stanford is attractive, but I do think it's possible, is what you said. They have all these other. They do. You know, all these other programs. They're very good in the Olympic sports. They always rank high in those Presidents Cup. Oh yeah, things. yeah, and they certainly bring the academic prestige that the Big Ten likes to you know pat itself on the back for. And so, I mean, it makes sense in that regard. It does. They're also fully funded. I mean, that's the right. other thing. Like, they're not. you're not going to run into a problem like UCLA ran into. Like, right. Stanford's right. got the most money. Stanford that's true. Has all that's the true. Money. And, and, you know, if this, was, if this was five, six, seven years ago, I feel like Stanford would be, a, a, you know, a no-brainer choice. But, boy, that football program has fallen on some really hard times. And and just the fan interest is horrendous. I mean, I you know the, the pictures of their home games are laughable. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not all about football, but it's it's mostly about football. I mean, these uh, moves yeah. appear to be about football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, you know paraphrasing uh, Step Brothers and Adam Scott. You know, no, it's not all about the money. But to me, it's a lot about the money. Uh, you know, like football is is what matters in in all of these moves. Yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah, I don't know, but I, they're going to get someone else. And so, I mean, if you're the Pac-12, aren't you kind of like, hey, you know, let's make the best of it with these ten. Let's keep Oregon and Washington in the fold. Uh, do everything we can. Maybe add a couple in in the near future. I saw Dan Patrick had his annual, you know premature slash wrong college football report this time saying San Diego state was joining the PAC 12, which was then debunked by everybody immediately. Uh, but maybe that happens. You add somebody else, you add a team from Texas or something. And I mean, that's you just, report, you know, you make the best of it. You know, the reports are them. If there is an expansion, the most likely to are San Diego state and SMU SMU. Yeah. Which, you know, does make some sense. I mean, not obviously you lose your geographic pairs. because Those two teams don't make sense as rivals. Um, but you know, whatever, you know, you're probably, that's probably going to be over, uh, you know, because you're, you're losing the two key ones. So I don't know that you're going to add two from the same area of the country. That doesn't really make much sense. I mean, not unless you're adding two teams from Texas, from Texas. If you went, got SMU and I don't even know who you'd get. I mean, Houston would have made sense, but Houston's joining the big 12. Well, I don't know that anybody wants to touch Baylor because of the religious stuff. Uh, that and the massive scandals that have plagued both. Well, yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I just I think that that makes people wary. With you know, like 
when Baylor was, I mean, Baylor was mentioned as an SEC, and I just think, you know, it's a little bit of like, yeah, nah, we're good. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think that's probably the best route. You you know, again, because football is what's dominating the conversation here, you know, the, the new playoff really does change the dynamic, I feel like. Because now you can you can pitch Oregon and Washington on, hey, stay here, and if you continue to be good, you know you got a you got a pretty easy end to the playoff. All you got to do is be the best of this conference, and without insulting your own, you say, well, that shouldn't be hard. Could you be the best of, of you know this conference without UCLA and USC? You should be able to handle that more often than not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would. You would hope, uh, you know, so who knows, who knows, uh, you know, but, but we'll see. But, um, anyway, to the ASU game. Yes. I think we're on the same page. I, I have it being a loss too, and we'll see what happens with Arizona. I mean, you know, like we should be able to put some points up against Arizona. Everybody has, but we're also going to give up a lot of points too, because that seems to just be the standard this year. Yeah. I uh, I think I'm gonna pick us to lose both of our next two games, and I'm and I'm hedging on making this pick early. Full disclosure, because I'm gonna be traveling for Thanksgiving, and I'm not sure if, if we'll record when that'll be, what's gonna happen. So I, I'm gonna jump out ahead and just say I, I don't think we'll win either game, and and maybe I'll yeah. get to be wrong twice, which would be fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. You know, I I, uh, I haven't settled on an Arizona pick. I probably will ultimately pick ASU just because, you know, sort of in the vein of, of Dave Chappelle not being able to, you know, think that Michael Jackson's guilty because he made Thriller. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I can pick Arizona to beat Arizona State ever. Um, but, yeah, I'm not confident about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if Arizona was 11-0 and we were 0-11, that I'd be like, well, all right, yeah, I'll pick Arizona. I probably wouldn't. I'd be like, nope, we're going to pull the upset. Miracle upon miracles. Yeah. I, hey, your loyalty is commendable. Uh, I just can't do it. I mean, I, you know, if I was betting, if I had something on the line, that might be different. But, you know, hey, what do I have to lose? Yeah. Just, just being a sellout like me, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like logic says it's it's on the road. Um, you know, they've been they've been a little better than ASU. I, I, like, you know, not really sure. Like they're one game better in record. Um, they beat UCLA. We beat Washington. Somehow that Washington win, which you know is the reason that Washington probably isn't going to be in the conference title game. They got to be ruined that one mm-hmm. because they should probably be nine and one right now. Well, it's the thing that you and I talked about this year is up until this UCLA game, the good teams, the top teams, yeah. didn't lose to each other and had lost again. Yeah, that was a that was a bad, bad loss by UCLA. Just you know, and and I mean, and I didn't watch a ton of it. I was out of town, you know. But like, I I almost would have understood it more if they'd lost like you know forty nine to forty five, mm-hmm. but only twenty eight points. Uh, you know, like felt like they missed opportunities. I know they had a field goal blocked, and they just were kind of sloppy. I mean, I saw the last drive. I watched it, and, like, they had, you know, they had four throws into the end zone, and, like, or maybe they had three. The last two, he, he threw them out of bounds. Like, I mean, you know, like, he didn't give the receiver a chance to catch the ball in bounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. It is. They, I mean, I was, obviously, I'm, never for Arizona, but I really wanted this coming Saturday to be as big as it should have been. And Oregon losing dented that certainly UCLA losing dented it even more. Yeah. Agreed. Well, we'll see. We'll see. What do you, what do you think? Uh, does USC beat UCLA and, and get to the conference championship game? I hope so. Um, I hope so too. I, they're still in the conference, so I, I yeah, think they have yeah. the best shot at getting the four spot. They do. They're probably the only one left with a playoff chance. I mean, I, I guess maybe Utah's got 
a slight breath if they get a lot of help and they win the conference, uh, you know, yeah. and they'd, they'd end on a very hot streak, obviously, which helps, but I don't, I don't see a road for it. Yeah. So I, I hope USC wins out. I, I'd like to see you. I like to see USC against, you know, the winner of Oregon, Utah. That'd be a fun title game. They get a chance to either, you know, avenge their only loss to Utah or play Oregon for the first time. Get, you know, like that. It'd be a strong statement if they could finish with, you know, UCLA, Notre Dame, and either Oregon, Utah in the title game, win all three. And I think they get in with that. Mm-hmm. be hard to keep them out. I certainly would hope so. That said, I don't think they're going to. They might. I think they, I think they beat UCLA, and I think they probably beat Notre Dame, but their defense is not good. It's hard for me to believe they're getting through three quality opponents without losing one. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the offense with Caleb Williams and Addison back, and, you know, maybe they can outscore. They lost Travis Dye for the year, though. That hurts. Yeah. He was a big part of what they did, and I just – I don't know, man. They, they're they 9-1, and one, and their best win is Oregon State so far. They, You know, you can say the same thing about them that I said about Oregon State. Like, they haven't really beaten anybody real good yet. Yeah. It's – but this, like you said, though, this is the chance, right? They got the they... chance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not their fault. The schedule has broken their way that they haven't, you know, they missed Washington, uh, you know, and they, they missed Oregon. So, you know, those two teams they didn't have to play. And But, yeah, it's it's right there in front of them. And on a, on a big note, the Notre Dame game, you know, a few weeks ago looked like, well, that's not going to help them. Well, Notre Dame's won, you know, seven of their last eight. They're in the top 20. That'd be a nice win if they could get it. Mhm. Agreed. So we'll see. We'll see. It's it's uh, it's coming down the stretch here. So, all right. What's your? Who do you think's the most likely for right now? Tennessee. Okay, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, so are you saying that on the assumption that Georgia, winner of Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU are your top three? Yeah. I'd say Tennessee right now, reserving the right to change that depending on how that Ohio State Michigan game goes. Yeah, I mean if it's a if it's a classic, down to the wire, could have gone either way type of game, that team might slide in ahead of Tennessee. Yeah, I mean I think it depends on that and if Tennessee just rolls. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think Tennessee's hope is is that. They, you know, first of all, yeah, they win their last two and win them convincingly, which they should. Yeah. Um, and that Georgia, you know, doesn't trip up in the SEC title game. Uh, you know, that Georgia goes thirteen and zero, gets that number one seed, and they can say, hey, we went eleven and one. We lost on the road to the best team in the country in a, in a game that was, you know, a true road game with some some rainy weather that you know slowed us down and give us give us a chance to play them again in a neutral site indoors and it might be a different story and maybe it would be yeah i could see it i I think they have a compelling argument to be the four they Um, do i mean you know the wins over alabama and lsu you know are impressive Uh, i mean that's two top 10 teams right now um you know and and michigan's not going to have that or ohio state whoever loses is not going to have that but but well, that Ohio State Michigan game is is like the what was it twenty sixteen where it went to OT and you know Ohio State converted that fourth down by about a whisker and that you know like if it's that type of game you make a pretty good argument that both teams should go. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we'll see, we'll see. You know uh, that's a fascinating game. I don't. Both teams feel like they've got a significant Achilles heel, and I'm curious to see which one gets exposed more. Yeah, I I will say I've been very oh well. It, we should note Sal Point Lancer uh, for life. Lathan Ransom had a punt block and a sack on the same drive. He did, he did. Yes, yes. A good a good week for him. Yeah, he's done well. Bounced back from that big injury and been good. And yeah, it was it was good to see him have a good week because it was a it was a it was a downer for Bijan. I thought Bijan had a chance to to win the Heisman, depending on what he did to finish the year, and I think that's that's out the window now. He got shut down by TCU. Yeah, I agree. It was there. I mean, it was wasn't going to be easy, 
But I was like, boy, if he goes off and they make the Big 12 title game and, you know, it was it was right there in front of him and it's not in front of him anymore. So do you think he's the first running back taken? Sure, yeah. seems like that's the expectation. I mean, I, I know things have a way of changing between the end of the season and, and you know, April. But, gosh, I mean, like McShay and Kuyper and, and the, the guy on the athletic, they have him as a top 10 prospect overall. Yeah. So – Sure feels like that's the, the uh, you know, clear, like, oh, yes, he's the top guy. And maybe the, you know, the dude from Alabama, Gibbs, is a first-round prospect, too. But that seems to be it. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see, you know. But, it, hey, I, I was hoping. I mean, the Heisman felt like it was wide open a couple weeks ago. And it still kind of feels that way. And I thought, you know, man, it's it's there for Bijan to have, like, a, you know, monster finished the year they beat tcu maybe they beat him again in the big 12 title game and he could do it well that you know they didn't beat him the first time making the big 12 title game is now not super likely and you know mm-hmm. yeah that dream is probably over yeah so all right well we've covered a lot there's more to cover still um, yes indeed We'll be back. We'll talk about it. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.